section twenty three of curiosities of literature volume three this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. curiosities of literature volume three by isaac disraeli taxation no tyranny such was the title of a famous political tract which was issued at a moment when a people in a state of insurrection put forth a declaration that taxation was tyranny it was not against an insignificant tax they protested but against taxation itself and in the temper of the moment this abstract proposition appeared an insolent paradox it was instantly run down by that everlasting party which so far back as in the laws of our henry i are designated by the odd descriptive term of acephaly a people without heads the strange equality of levellers footnote cowles interpreter article acephaly this by name we unexpectedly find in a grave antiquarian law dictionary probably derived from pliny's description of a people whom some travellers had reported to have found in this predicament in their fright and haste in attempting to land on a hostile shore among savages to account for this fabulous people it has been conjectured they wore such high coverings that their heads did not appear above their shoulders while their eyes seemed to be placed in their breasts how this name came to be introduced into the laws of henry i remains to be told by some profound antiquary but the allusion was common in the middle ages cowell says those are called acephaly who were the levellers of that age and acknowledged no head or superior End of footnote. these political monsters in all times have had an association of ideas of taxation and tyranny and with them one name instantly suggests the other this happened to one gigli of siena who published the first part of a dictionary of the tuscan language footnote vocabulario di santa caterina el della lingua senese seventeen seventeen this pungent lexicon was prohibited at rome by desire of the court of florence the history of this suppressed work may be found in il giornale de letterati d'italia tomo xxix one thousand four hundred and ten in the last edition of hames bibliotheca italiana eighteen o three it is said to be reprinted at manila nel isole Filippine. for the book licensers it is a great way to go for it End of, footnote. of which only three hundred and twelve leaves amused the florentines these having had the honour of being consigned to the flames by the hands of the hangman for certain popular errors such as for instance under the word grand duca we find vedi cabelli see taxes and the word gabella was explained by a reference to grand duca 
grand duke and taxes were synonyms according to this mordacious lexicographer such grievances and the modes of expressing them are equally ancient a roman consul by levying a tax on salt during the punic war was nicknamed salinator and condemned by the majesty of the people he had formerly done his duty to the country but the psalter was now his reward he retired from rome let his beard grow and by his sordid dress and melancholy air evinced his acute sensibility the romans at length wanted the psalter to command the army as an injured man he refused but he was told that he should bear the caprice of the roman people with the tenderness of a son for the humours of a parent he had lost his reputation by a productive tax on salt though this tax had provided an army and obtained a victory certain it is that gigli and his numerous adherents are wrong for were they freed from all restraints as much as if they slept in forests and not in houses were they inhabitants of wilds and not of cities so that every man should be his own lawgiver with a perpetual immunity from all taxation we could not necessarily infer their political happiness there are nations where taxation is hardly known for the people exist in such utter wretchedness that they are too poor to be taxed of which the chinese among others exhibit remarkable instances when nero would have abolished all taxes and his excessive passion for popularity the senate thanked him for his good will to the people but assured him that this was a certain means not of repairing but of ruining the commonwealth baudin in his curious work the republic has noticed a class of politicians who are in too great favour with the people many seditious citizens and desirous of innovations did of late years promise immunity of taxes and subsidies to our people but neither could they do it or if they could have done it they would not or if it were done should we have any commonweal being the ground and foundation of one footnote bowden's six books of a commonwealth translated by richard knowles sixteen o six a work replete with the practical knowledge of politics and of which mr dougall stuart has delivered a high opinion yet this great politician wrote a volume to anathematize those who doubted the existence of sorcerers and witches etc whom he condemns to the flames see his demona Manie de sorcier fifteen ninety three the undisguised and naked term of taxation is however so odious to the people that it may be curious to observe the arts practised by governments and even by the people themselves to veil it under some mitigating term in the first breaking out of the american troubles they probably would have yielded to the mother country the right of taxation modified by the term regulation of their trade this i infer from a letter of dr robertson who observes that the distinction between taxation and regulation is mere folly even despotic governments have condescended to disguise the contributions forcibly levied by some appellative which should partly conceal its real nature 
terms have often influenced circumstances as names do things and conquest or oppression which we may allow to be synonyms apes benevolence whenever it claims as a gift what it exacts as a tribute a sort of philosophical history of taxation appears in the narrative of wood in his inquiry on homer he tells us that the presence a term of extensive signification in the east which are distributed annually by the bashaw of damascus to the several arab princes through whose territory he conducts the caravan of pilgrims to mecca are at constantinople called a free gift and considered as an act of the sultan's generosity towards his indigent subjects while on the other hand the arab sheikhs deny even a right of passage through the districts of their command and exact those sums as a tax due for the permission of going through their country in the frequent bloody contests which the adjustment of these fees produces the turks complain of robbery and the arabs of invasion here we trace taxation through all its shifting forms accommodating itself to the feelings of the different people the same principle regulated the alternate terms proposed by the buccaneers when they asked what the weaker party was sure to give or when they levied what the others paid only as a common toll when louis the eleventh of france beheld his country exhausted by the predatory wars of england he bought a piece of our edward the fourth by an annual sum of fifty thousand crowns to be paid at london and likewise granted pensions to the english ministers holinshed and all our historians call this a yearly tribute but comines the french memoir writer with a national spirit denies that these gifts were either pensions or tributes yet says bodin a frenchman also but affecting a more philosophical indifference it must be either the one or the other though i confess that those who receive a pension to obtain peace commonly boast of it as if it were a tribute such are the shades of our feelings in this history of taxation and tribute but there is another artifice of applying soft names to hard things by veiling a tyrannical act by a term which presents no disagreeable idea to the imagination when it was formerly thought desirable in the relaxation of morals which prevailed in venice to institute the office of censor three magistrates were elected bearing this title but it seems so harsh and austere in that dissipated city that these reformers of manners were compelled to change their title when they were no longer called censors but e signore sopra il bon vivere della cita all agreed on the propriety of the office under the softened term father joseph the secret agent of cardinal richelieu was the inventor of lettres de cachet disguising that instrument of despotism by the amusing term of a sealed letter expatriation would have been merciful compared with the result of that billet doux a sealed letter from his majesty burke reflects with profound truth 
abstract liberty like other mere abstractions is not to be found liberty inheres in some sensible object and every nation has formed to itself some favourite point which by way of eminence becomes the criterion of their happiness it happened that the great contests for freedom in this country were from the earliest times chiefly upon the question of taxing most of the contests in the ancient commonwealths turned primarily on the right of election of magistrates or on the balance among the several orders of the state the question of money was not with them so immediate but in england it was otherwise on this point of taxes the ablest pens and most eloquent tongues have been exercised the greatest spirits have acted and suffered one party clamorously asserts that taxation is their grievance while another demonstrates that the annihilation of taxes would be their ruin the interests of a great nation among themselves are often contrary to each other and each seems alternately to predominate and to decline the sting of taxation observes mr hallam is wastefulness but it is difficult to name a limit beyond which taxes will not be borne without impatience when faithfully applied in plainer words this only signifies we presume that mr hallam's party would tax us without wastefulness ministerial or opposition whatever be the administration it follows that taxation is no tyranny dr johnson then was terribly abused in his day for a vox et praeteria nihil still shall the innocent word be hateful and the people will turn even on their best friend who in administration inflicts a new impost as we have shown by the fate of the roman salinator among ourselves our government in its constitution if not always in its practice long had a consideration towards the feelings of the people and often contrived to hide the nature of its exactions by a name of blandishment an enormous grievance was long the office of purveyance a purveyor was an officer who was to furnish every sort of provision for the royal house and sometimes for great lords during their progresses or journeys his oppressive office by arbitrarily fixing the market prices and compelling the countrymen to bring their articles to market would enter into the history of the arts of grinding the labouring class of society a remnant of feudal tyranny the very title of this officer became odious and by a statute of edward the third the hateful name of purveyor was ordered to be changed into achateur or buyer footnote the modern word cheater is traced by some authors to this term which soon became odious to the populace End of footnote a change of name it was imagined would conceal its nature the term often devised strangely contrasted with the thing itself levies of money were long raised under the pathetic appeal of benevolences when edward the fourth was passing over to france he obtained under this gentle demand money towards the great journey and afterwards having rowed about the more part of the lands and used the people in such fair manner that they were liberal in their gifts old fabian adds the which way of the levying of this money was after named a benevolence 
edward the fourth was courteous in this newly invented style and was besides the handsomest tax-gatherer in his kingdom his royal presence was very dangerous to the purses of his loyal subjects particularly to those of the females in his progress having kissed a widow for having contributed a larger sum than was expected from her estate she was so overjoyed at the singular honour and delight that she doubled her benevolence and a second kiss had ruined her in the succeeding reign of richard the third the term had already lost the freshness of its innocence in the speech which the duke of buckingham delivered from the hustings in guildhall he explained the term to the satisfaction of his auditors who even then were as cross-humoured as the livery of this day in their notions of what now we gently call supplies under the plausible name of benevolence as it was held in the time of edward the fourth your goods were taken from you much against your will as if by that name was understood that every man should pay not what he pleased but what the king would have him or as a marginal note in buck's life of richard the third more pointedly has it that the name of benevolence signified that every man should pay not what he of his own good will list but what the king of his good will list to take footnote danes barrington in observations on the statutes gives the marginal note of buck as the words of the duke they certainly served his purpose to amuse better than the voracious ones but we expect from a grave antiquary inviolable authenticity the duke is made by barrington a sort of wit but the pithy quaintness is bucks End of footnote richard the third whose business like that of all usurpers was to be popular in a statute even condemns this benevolence as a new imposition and enacts that none shall be charged with it in future many families having been ruined under these pretended gifts his successor however found means to levy a benevolence but when henry the eighth demanded one the citizens of london appealed to the act of richard the third cardinal wolsey insisted that the law of a murderous usurper should not be enforced one of the common council courageously replied that king richard conjointly with parliament had enacted many good statutes even then the citizen seems to have comprehended the spirit of our constitution that taxes should not be raised without the consent of parliament charles i amidst his urgent wants at first had hoped by the pathetic appeal to benevolences that he should have touched the hearts of his unfriendly commoners but the term of benevolence proved unlucky the resisters of taxation took full advantage of a significant meaning which had long been lost in the custom asserting by this very term that all levies of money were not compulsory but the voluntary gifts of the people in that political crisis when in the fullness of time all the national grievances which had hitherto been kept down started up with one voice the courteous term strangely contrasted with the rough demand lord digby said the granting of subsidies under so preposterous a name as of a benevolence was a malevolence and mr grimstone observed that they have granted a benevolence but the nature of thing agrees not with the name 
the nature indeed had so entirely changed from the name that when james i had tried to warm the hearts of his benevolent people he got little money and lost a great deal of love subsidies that is grants made by parliament observes arthur wilson a dispassionate historian get more of the people's money but exactions enslave the mind when benevolences had become a grievance to diminish the odium they invented more inviting phrases the subject was cautiously informed that the sums demanded were only loans or he was honoured by a letter under the privy seal a bond which the king engaged to repay at a definite period but privy seals at length got to be hawked about to persons coming out of church privy seals says a manuscript letter are flying thick and threefold in sight of all the world which might surely have been better performed in delivering them to every man privately at home the general loan which in fact was a forced loan was one of the most crying grievances under charles i ingenious in the destruction of his own popularity the king contrived a new mode of secret instructions to commissioners footnote these private instructions to the commissioners for the general loan may be found in rushworth one four eighteen they were to find out persons who could bear the largest rates how the commissioners were to acquire this secret and inquisitorial knowledge appears in the bungling contrivance it is one of their orders that after a number of inquiries have been put to a person concerning others who had spoken against loan money and what arguments they had used this person was to be charged in his majesty's name and upon his allegiance not to disclose to any other the answer he had given a striking instance of that fatuity of the human mind when a weak government is trying to do what it knows not how to perform it was seeking to obtain a secret purpose by the most open and general means a self-destroying principle our ancestors were children in finance their simplicity has been too often described as tyranny but from my soul do i believe on this obscure subject of taxation that old burleigh's advice to elizabeth includes more than all the squabbling pamphlets of our political economists win hearts and you have their hands and purses End of section twenty three